Hello, and welcome to another episode of Third Impact Anime Podcast. I'm Tobias, and I am back again to present another year of our group's year-end roundup of things we enjoyed in 2023. While similar lists on other sites are more concerned with validating the daily hype cycle by telling you that yes, the things you like are good actually, our lists have always been a more personal affair, encompassing things from all kinds of media, and sometimes not even media. Really, this is as much a chance for us to reflect on the year that we had as it is for you to hear about the cool things that we liked in the last 365 days. I hope that you, our listeners, get a kick out of this episode, and I hope that you also take a few minutes to reflect on all the things that you did this year. I know that the years start coming when they don't stop coming, and that they can begin to blur together, which is why it's important to take a step back and consider how far you've come. Be proud of the person you are and the person you want to be for 2024. Anyway, with that bit of sentimentality out of the way, let's start the recap. Hey folks, welcome to the Austin segment of our year in review, Kotatsu Corner, holiday wrap-up thing. I decided to put sort of a artificial limit on the things that I was going to talk about here to both get a lot of things out while not taking up too much time and also giving myself a framework to, to go by. So I decided to do one thing that I wanted to talk about for this year that meant something to me uh, for every letter of the alphabet. So let's go. Uh, For A, it would be Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. I didn't think it was as strong as the first film, but I had a lot of fun with it. It's gorgeous and beautiful. And, you know, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so it just appealed to me on so many different levels. I'm really excited for whatever they do with the eventual follow-up to that and sort of my broad opinion over how this whole experiment is going to go will definitely be shaped by how they wrap it up. But, um, you know, considering how uh, harsh the working conditions were for the animators on this past one, I hope that they take enough time to uh, get it and do it right and make sure everybody working on it is healthy. So I'm perfectly content to wait as long as possible for the third one. Uh, For B, I went to see the Beetlejuice musical back in the spring. Tori got us tickets for that for Christmas, and we went to go see it, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies ever, and seeing them reinterpret it on the stage was just a blast. Uh, For C, uh, this is a very recent thing I got to do. If you follow us on Instagram, you probably saw some clips. And that would be the Cowboy Bebop Jazz Show. We went to see the Bebop Bounty Big Band, which is touring around the country, uh, doing a uh, live show, playing some of the some of the hits from Cowboy Bebop with a full jazz band, and it was super fun. So D is for Doctor Who for a couple of reasons. 
So I was really big into Doctor Who back in like the early 2010s, back in high school. And I really fell off pretty hard during the Peter Capaldi years. But the David Tennant seasons and the Matt Smith seasons and the Christopher Eccleston season are stuff that I really look back on fondly. And I have a lot of affection for Doctor Who, but I just haven't really kept up with it. However, knowing that David Tennant was going to come back for a few specials and that Russell T. Davies was going to come back to be the showrunner, my hype for the series sort of got reignited. So I've been going back to the series where I left off and sort of slowly but surely getting through the last five or six years that I've missed, while also at the same time watching the new David Tennant specials, which I've only seen the first one, but it gets two big thumbs up for me and Even if Doctor Who is bad, Doctor Who is good. So E is kind of cheating, because it's for Evangelion, and I could put Evangelion on my list every year, but I specifically wanted to shout out finally getting a physical copy of 3.0 plus 1.0, even though I thought that 4K box set from G-Kids was way overpriced for what you get, but as a chronically abused Ava fan, I had to pony up. Hopefully they can re-release the rest of the films. Eventually. F is for Freerun, Beyond Journey's End. I started reading the manga, I don't know, I want to say maybe late 2022, early earlier 2023, I'm not really sure, but I read a lot of it pretty fast, and I it has quickly become one of my favorite series of the last couple of years. I think the story is really interesting, the characters are really fun. It's been a while since I've really had, like, a high fantasy series that I've really gotten into to any great extent, so it's nice to be able to, you know, have that while wrapped around an interesting concept and a manga with uh, beautiful art and really, really touching stories and an anime adaptation that is just, like, totally killing it. Like, the Freeman anime is fantastic, and the opening is great, regardless of what Bill says. So G is a pretty recent one, and that'd be Godzilla Minus One. I had an absolute blast seeing this movie in the theaters. I don't think it will be the only time it gets mentioned on this episode, and it just blew me away with how good it was and how excellent the special effects were and how great the writing was. I just had an incredibly good time with it. I think it probably rivals Shin Godzilla for my favorite Godzilla film. And that's saying something because I really, really like Shin Godzilla. So H is for Halloween, and this one's kind of a a multi-parter. So for Halloween this year, we got to go to Anime Week in Atlanta, and that was a lot of fun. But also, this Halloween was a little bittersweet because I may have mentioned this before on a previous episode of the podcast, but I work for a haunted house, and this was actually our last season. The owner decided that it was just time to wrap it up. He'd been doing it for like 30 years, and he's just getting older, and it's a lot of upkeep, as you can imagine. A lot of work goes into maintaining one of these things, and I've been working for them, you know, every season for about 10 years. I think this was my ninth year. It's pretty sad that it's going to be going away, but um, I'm really proud of the work that we did there, and I'm really glad that I was able to participate in the final season. So, um, yeah, shout out to my haunted house. Rest in peace. So I is for something that I don't really do all that often, and that's for Iron Widow, which is a <gasps> a novel. Even though I work as a librarian, shamefully, I don't really read all that often, with the exception of manga. 
and subtitles. But anyway, Iron Widow is a novel by Jiren J. Zhao. It's like a sci-fi retelling of certain parts of Chinese history, but with this, like, Pacific Rim thing going on, where there are, like, giant creatures and mechs, sort of mechs, that the characters pilot. And I've been listening to the audiobook for it, and I just think that's really fun. The main character is very, very headstrong and feisty, but she also goes through, like, a pretty decent arc. I'm over halfway done with it at this point, and I'm really enjoying it. And reading novels is kind of a new thing for me, so if you have any suggestions, preferably if there's a really good audiobook version, uh, definitely let me know. So J is for John Wick Part 4, which is the first John Wick film I actually got to see in theaters. And man, what a fun movie. It really is just more of the same old John Wick stuff, but that's all I need. Rina Sawayama was so cool in it. I'll be curious to see if they do anything with her going forward in the franchise. And that sequence where he keeps getting hit by the cars around the Arche de Triomphe in Paris is just pure cinema. So K is for Korean barbecue because I've eaten a lot of Korean barbecue this year and it's always really tasty. They opened up a new K barbecue shop near me and we got to try it out and it was really good. So L is another food one for lunch, and I've had some really good lunches this year because the new library where I work is pretty close to a banh mi sandwich shop that is really, really cheap and really, really tasty. So M is uh, kind of a tough one, and uh, M is for mom, and um, if you guys uh, don't um, follow me on like social media or, or in the Discord or anything, you, you may not be aware that... Um, my uh my mother after a long um multi-year uh battle with uh breast cancer she she passed away in um in October of this year and um it was and is one of the most difficult um things that I've ever had to go, go through in my life and I I miss her so much every day and um I'm just really grateful that you know her last her last month being with us was incredibly special. The uh, hospice home took so much care of her, and they were just wonderful people. And I'm I'm so grateful for that that she was able to, you know, even though that I hate that she passed, I'm glad that she was comfortable and we were all able to be there with her. And um, I miss her, and I think about her every day. And I just really appreciate all of my wonderful friends and family members co-workers and everything for for being there for me during this really tough time so thank you guys and a little bit brighter than that for uh, nintendo i've played a lot of nintendo games this year i played uh, tears of the kingdom for a few hours of course i got really into super mario 3d world uh, the switch one and i played a couple kirby games for the first time i played the original Kirby on the Switch, like, Game Boy app thing, and that was really fun. I've been playing Kirby Mass Attack on the DS, which I understand is kind of a more obscure, maybe slightly underrated Kirby title. I've been really enjoying that one, and I hope to continue playing more Nintendo games uh, next year. So O is for Otto, comma, A Man Called, which is a... Uh, Tom Hanks film that came out earlier this year based on the Swedish novel A Man Called Ove, which also got a film adaptation. And this is very much like a 
tearjerker drama starring Tom Hanks, which he is no stranger to. But I went to see it with my dad, and he really loved it, and it really did tug on my heartstrings as well. It has a couple of really interesting angles that it pursues. It's not the greatest film I've ever seen, but it really did hit me in my heart, so I liked it a lot. And it's one of, I think, two movies that I actually watched more than once this year, because Dad and I saw it in the theaters, and then he wanted to show my mom, so we watched it with her as well, and she enjoyed it. So P is for Paramore. Tori and I were able to get free tickets to go see Paramore, and it was so much fun. I've loved Paramore for a really long time. You know, I was a big, like, pop punk and emo fan back in middle school, and I've been just following their career ever since then, and getting to see them was so special. And they even played Misery Business. I couldn't believe it. So Q is another food one, and that's for quesadillas, because I eat a lot of quesadillas, and I think they're really good. R is for the uh, Ruth E. Carter exhibit. So in Raleigh at their art museum, they had a exhibit earlier this year for Ruth E. Carter, who is a very famous Hollywood costume designer. And she's been working in the industry for a number of decades. She worked on Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. She worked on Selma. She worked on the uh, Malcolm X movie with... Denzel Washington, and probably the thing that she's most well-known for is not the LeBron James Fortnite costume, but working on Black Panther. So we got to see a lot of her original work, and especially seeing the Black Panther outfits was just so, so cool. So S is for Sound Euphonium, which is a QAnon series that I have perpetually had on my backlog for years and years and years and years that Bill and I finally sat down and watched the first season of and it's it, it's great it's great those tubas sure are shiny and it's just a very solid character drama like i'm not gonna call it a masterpiece or anything but i really like it and i'm excited to watch the second season and the movies that aren't listen the bluebird because i've seen that one already so t is for twice and we got to go see twice for the second time so we've seen twice twice in Atlanta this past summer, and uh, Tori has turned me into a K-pop sicko, and I'm not ashamed about it. Twice is my favorite group. I think they're just wonderful. All of their songs hit, and it was just so much fun to see them perform in the big outdoor baseball field where the Braves play, and they just put on such an incredible show. Like, it was it was even better than whenever we saw them last year, and I, I cannot wait to see them again. Can't wait to see Twice Thrice. And somehow throughout this year, I ended up getting three copies of Ready to Be. That's not even my favorite album. It's got some really good stuff on there, but I don't know how I ended up with three copies of it. The one I'm most excited about, though, is the vinyl record that Tori got me for my birthday, I believe. And it came with a vinyl record mat that has, like, the whole Twice group on there. And my favorite Twice member, Jihyo, she got her own solo album this year. So I guess you is going to be for Ultraman, specifically Shin Ultraman which was really fun to see in theaters, even though I thought Shane Common Rider was a little bit better. It was still really good and has inspired me to want to check out more Ultraman. I have probably about six or seven of the Mill Creek box sets because I keep buying them whenever I go over to the used media store because they tend to be really cheap, and I need to just watch some of them. So V is for Vampire Survivors, and that game helped me get through a lot of the 
downtime whenever my mom was in the the hospice care facility because um, she would be sleeping for, you know, most of the day. She was in a lot of pain, so she had a lot of uh, medications that she was on that would just cause her to sleep most of the time. So whenever we were there spending time with her, you know, in between, whenever she would be awake and, you know, talkative and alert and for meals and things like that, um, there would just be a lot of quiet time. And Vampire Survivors was a great game to be able to sort of pick up and play and not have to put a whole huge amount of thought into it, but just, you know, play in sort of a very chill way. And um, so that game was there for me during a really difficult time. And I appreciate I appreciate it for that. And it's also just a very simple but genius game in its in its loop. And I just had so much fun with it. It quickly became one of my most played games on my Switch overall. And uh, I really need to go back to it, though I feel like I've had to put it down for a while just because of my uh, experiences associated with it. But uh, my hope is that I can, you know, maybe get some of the DLCs and um, pick it up again soon. So W is uh, Witch for Mercury. So I finished the Gundam Witch for Mercury series, and I really enjoyed it. I think that despite um, some of the issues that I had with it, mostly towards the end, I think it was an extremely solid show that I just had a lot of enjoyment with. The production values were incredible. The characters were really charming. And I just enjoyed the experience of watching it. It's the first non-UC Gundam series I've gotten through. And even then, I haven't gotten through that many Gundam series to begin with. But I really hope whatever they decide to do with non-UC Gundam next will be like Witch from Mercury, but sort of build on that. Not to say that they need a sequel, but just to take a lot of the ideas from Witch from Mercury, do them again, but better next time. So X is a bit of a stretch. So X is for XVI or 16 or Final Fantasy 16, which is the video game that I've probably put the most hours into this year. It was something that I really wasn't all that excited for other than me broadly being a Final Fantasy fan. I didn't really follow the trailers. I didn't really follow the production or the the run up to the release, but I played it and had a generally pretty good time with it. I really liked the core cast. I really liked Clive as a main character. I really liked the hack and slash gameplay. I thought the incorporation of what they did with the summons was really interesting, making them basically like giant Final Fantasy stands. Some of the villains were really cool, but also some of the villains were really lame. But I think where it stands out is that its core cast of Clive, Joshua, Torgal, Sid, and Jill were just very, very strong. I wish some characters had gotten more time. I wish some of the side quests were a little bit better because, man, it was a slog to get through a lot of those. But I think once I rolled credits, I felt pretty good about the experience. So why? It's kind of corny, but it's for you, dear listener. You, the folks that listen to the Third Impact Anime Podcast and have been following us for one episode or 100 episodes. I just appreciate you very much. I appreciate you being here and appreciate you giving us a few hours of your life to listen to what we have to say about anime and anime-adjacent things. So thank you. And Z, I've got nothing for, so see ya later. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, a Merry Christmas, or whatever holiday of your choice. I'll see you in the next one. Take it easy. (laughs) 
everybody it's ryan and 2023 is coming to a close and man this year was just absolutely stacked i could talk about some of the things i didn't like for this year but there was so much that i absolutely loved that i'm only going to focus on that i'm going to break mine down into categories of anime television movies and games and games there's a there's a lot so starting off in anime there wasn't a ton that came out this year that i stuck to but the things that i did i really enjoyed First off, we got a sequel to the anime adaptation of Castlevania, Castlevania Nocturne, and Richter Belmont is my absolute favorite Belmont, and I was happy to see this. Even if they did make him a total zoomer, I'm really interested to see where this series goes, and I really enjoyed it for what it was. Attack on Titan finally ended. I feel like the entire last season was like half as long as the entire show. It just went on for way too long, and I'm glad it ended, but... You know, I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about the ending, and this is the only negative thing I'm going to talk about, but I was I stuck with Attack on Titan for so long that I had to finish it off. Brief thoughts on it. I really did like the episode itself, but once it actually started getting into explanations of why things the way they were, and then showing the epilogue, everything just really started to fall apart for me. But the action up until that, I was entirely on board for, and I really did enjoy. I thought it was beautifully animated. Second season of Spy Family came out, and I, I just love this show. It's so fun. Like, that is the best way to describe it, is it's not uh, an overly plot-centric show. It's just fun, and it's just junk food, and really well-animated, well-voiced, and it, it's it's all-around enjoyable. I, I can't recommend this show enough. The Netflix Scott Pilgrim anime also came out, and I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. Like, I've read the graphic novels, and I watched the movie, and I honestly was kind of in the camp that the movie was only okay, but the anime, I was excited because it was more resemblant of the art style, and then, not without spoiling it, it changed it enough that I was really interested to continue right off the bat. So as I was editing this, I also forgot that this had come out this year, but Chainsaw Man came out, and... That show is just so over the top and ridiculous, and I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to whenever the second season decides to come out. Last up for me was something that I decided to rewatch, and I'm not even sure why I decided to, but I decided to start rewatching Dragon Ball, and I had forgotten just how much charm that show has. Like, Dragon Ball Z, yeah, we all know the memes about the power creep and everything, but Dragon Ball is where it started, and there was there was power creep, but it wasn't as, like, apparent and everything was through hard work and training and dedication so you could understand why the characters became more powerful and honestly i'm starting to think that i like this show way more than i like z because it is just a lot more cozy and a lot more character based the fighting is like really cool to see and not just people shooting gigantic beams of energy at each other constantly but i haven't quite finished yet but i'm almost there and yeah, I, I, I really like Dragon Ball. It's just, it's such a great show, and it's always fun to come back to now and again. I also recognize there's a lot of really good stuff that I missed this year, just because there's way too much content nowadays. 
but I really do want to watch Zom 100. I have Blue-Eyed Samurai on my list as well, and I need to watch Season 5 of Agretzko. So in the realm of American television, there was a lot this year, and I always watch a ton of television because while I'm working, I like to put something on in the background. I have a little bit of noise, and it's usually not anything that I'm like super focusing on or that I even really care about, like a lot of medical dramas or cop dramas, just stuff like that. But what really stuck out to me this year was, of course, Mandalorian Season 3. We finally saw Mandalore. I loved this season. I know everybody wasn't super happy with it, but anytime I get to see Mandalorians on big screen, I'm really happy. Also, Last of Us came out, and that show was just, oh, so good. It was an amazing adaptation of the game that I also love so much. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it from here, considering they didn't go shot for shot with season one and season two, or rather game two, has a lot of stuff behind it that people weren't exactly big fans of. So I'm wondering how much of that that they might change, but whatever they do with it, I'm I'm all here for it. Also, I'm not normally a fan of remakes, which, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Frasier remake this year, but one that I was a big fan of was that 90s show. And I love that 70s show. It is such a funny show, still holds up today. And normally reboots like this are just shameless cash grabs, but it actually captured the spirit of the show and I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually looking forward to them doing a second season for it. And I definitely only watched this show just to say I watched it so I could, you know, talk smack about it appropriately, but I really did enjoy it. I also watched The Bear, which made me hungry most of the time because it's a show about, you know, a chef and it's really heavy. I don't recommend it for everybody, but if you can get past like really heavy, stressful drama, it is a really good show to watch. I also finally started watching The Sopranos with Will and I love this show and everybody in the comments, if you could please yell at Will so he, you know, makes some time so we can finish the last season, that would be great. Last thing that stuck out to me was Halt and Catch Fire. Now, that's a show that is kind of a fictional history of 80s tech life, and I'm a tech person, so it spoke to me a lot, and I never watched it back in the day just because I was busy. Again, there's always a lot of content nowadays. But what really made it stick for me was endings are hard, and this show immediately had one of the best television endings that I have ever seen i loved it so much and if you're a tech person i can't recommend it enough onto the realm of movies so we already podcasted about suzume and i really enjoyed that movie it was a great time but i also did the full barbenheimer experience we went out for brunch we watched oppenheimer which was three hours long and absolutely fantastic great movie really great historical portrayal of the events that happened And then we went and had dinner, and then we watched Barbie, and I had some wine during Barbie that we had snuck in, and it was a great way to experience that movie. I also saw the Dungeons & Dragons movie, which, completely honestly, I thought that movie was going to be absolute trash. I went and watched it with my D&D group, and yeah, shockingly, we were able to plan a time that we were all free to go see it, and we had a great time. It was a really enjoyable movie. I really hope that they make more of these, because they're really good. Also, the Super Mario Bros. movie came out, and I was so jazzed for that. Basically, everything about that movie hit my nostalgia. I know it wasn't a perfect movie, but I really didn't care. I was enjoying every second of that movie, especially 
getting Mario Kart on the big screen and getting the DK rap on the big screen. Surprisingly, I'm normally a huge comic book fan, but the only comic book movie this year, DC or Marvel, that I actually cared about was Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Everything else just kind of felt whatever. I'm really starting to be in comic book burnout, which is not something I thought I would ever say. Last and certainly not least, I'm going to be talking about some games for a little bit. First thing I did last year was I bought the game of the year, Elden Ring, and I played it, and I absolutely loved it. I normally absolutely hate Souls games because they're just so difficult and feel punishing unnecessarily, but Elden Ring, I don't know how, it just fixed all that for me. I played as a mage class and I loved spellcasting, it was a ton of fun, felt very different from just a normal like hack and slash with swords, and just the world in general, I got so sucked into the lore, which is not what I expected. I thought that I would just like play the game and then be done with it but no i really i really loved this game and i entirely see why one game of the year this was also a big year for nintendo fire emblem engage came out and i enjoyed it but it wasn't my favorite fire emblem game i was definitely not surprised when pikmin 4 won the better strategy game i also played pikmin 4 and i really enjoyed that i also had played pikmin 3 right before it and i just i love that franchise it is so much fun and i recommend it to anybody who likes strategy To scratch my Star Wars itch, I got Jedi Survivor as well, and I thought it was a massive improvement over uh, Jedi Fallen Order. It expanded on the story, showed where the characters wound up, the gameplay improved dramatically, all of the lightsaber combat had more variety, everything just felt smoother, less buggy and clippy, and I don't know, like, I really am looking forward to seeing uh, how the trilogy finishes off. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I put probably about 150, 170 hours into that game. I did the same thing everyone else did. I did all the dungeons. I did some buildings, some machines, some Korok war crimes. Then one of my favorite franchises got an HD collection, Mega Man Battle Network. The legacy collection for this I've been waiting for for so long and it did not disappoint. These games are still so much fun, and the Legacy Collection adds a really nice feature that basically makes your Mega Buster, your uh, normal B attack, do a ton of damage at once. And that might sound overpowered, but these games are really grindy, and there's no XP system, so you're not, like, cheating in any way by using it. You're just skipping through a bunch of normal encounters, which once you've done them, like, four or five times... You're kind of over it, and you just want to get to the boss, because the bosses of this game are really where it shines. This year was also a good year for sleeper hits. I found out about Dave the Diver probably a week after it came out, and it just looked so charming that I decided to pick it up, and I fell in love with this game. The environment was absolutely so relaxing. I love sushi, so being able to make sushi out of, like, all these ridiculous monsters that I was finding was great. And apparently it has DLC coming out later this year, so I'm also looking forward to that. Final Fantasy XVI came out. We have an entire thread just for this game on our Discord. And we all, I think we all enjoyed it. I can speak for myself that I definitely did. It is not a perfect game by any means, but it definitely was worth playing. And I enjoyed the story a lot. Combat felt great. And just the world to look at was really nice. And I thought it was a solid, solid game. I also got a blast from my past this year with Payday 3 coming out. 
I used to play Payday 2 all the time, and I played it with so many different groups of people. And when I knew that Payday 3 was coming out, I was excited, but honestly, I was a little apprehensive just because, you know, sequels lately have kind of felt empty. But we got Payday 3, and despite the uh, day one issues we were having, once those issues were addressed, my friends and I formed a full crew, and we did every mission, and we absolutely love this game enough that we have no qualms about buying the dlc for it because we just enjoyed it that much and we want to keep this game going it is just so much fun and it is just an incredible improvement over payday 2 like it feels so much better not nearly as glitchy or buggy and just absolutely wonderful to play another technically sleeper hit because it kind of got announced last minute ish was Mario Wonder. This game was not remotely on my radar this year, but it was in the running for my game of the year. I love this game. I love Mario World, and this felt like that again. And all of the levels just were so much fun to go through. I 100% of the game, I got everything. I finished all the levels, including the final secret level, which I made a TikTok about. You can find that on my TikTok. And it is, if they keep making 2D Marios like this, we're, we're eating good for a while. Spider-Man 2 also came out and I got the 19 inches of Venom edition and the story did not disappoint. Oh, it actually made me care about Kraven, which is difficult because he's kind of whatever in some of the comics, but it did an incredible job. We got the easily most powerful version of Venom by far and I cannot wait to see the sequel in probably another five years. But before that, we're getting a Blade game and we're getting a Wolverine game, so I'm equally as excited for those. Also, Mario RPG Remake finally came out, and I love this game. This was one of the earlier RPGs I played on the Wii, and I just, I, I think it still holds up. It's not a hard game by any means, but when you actually get to the challenging bosses, it really tests everything you know about the game and its mechanics. It truly makes you, like, sweat. But despite this being an absolutely stacked year filled with just banger after banger for games, I do have to say that I think my personal game of the year is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Just the amount of hours that I put into that game, I had so much fun with it. I thought it was an absolute improvement over Breath of the Wild. It, I, it can't not be my game of the year. Yeah, there's my wrap for 2023, and I think just as much good stuff is going to come out in 2024, so I'm excited to continue to add things to my backlog that I might maybe eventually someday get to, maybe. Hey there, it's Sarah Steele with Third Impact Anime Podcast, and I'm here to bring you uh, my favorites from this year. There were a lot, not as many as last year. I found that there would be a start to a season and I would be really excited for a lot of shows and then as they went on I would kind of just drop off of them. Spring season though was pretty strong this year I feel like if I had to pick one of the four. Uh, anyway I only have like 10 to 15 minutes to talk about like 20-ish shows so let's just get into it. Let's start with sequels. Vinland Saga season two happened. Um, super interesting 
the character arc that Thorfinn and um, King Guy, whose name I don't remember, are going through. The foil is still foiling very much. And the way that it went from, for Thorfinn, from violence into having to reconcile the harm that he had caused, right? And also how much of that was, like, directly on him versus just, like, his circumstances in a way. Very interesting. So cool. Amazing character study. I would recommend Vinland Saga to, like, anybody, anime fan or not. Like, just watch it. Demon Slayer had another season. It was really cool and interesting to learn about a lot of different things. We got to see a little bit more of a couple more Hashira. And yeah, the final episode was just insane, the production quality. And now I know why, because they're doing a like 4K IMAX whatever release along with the beginning of the next season uh, this spring. So obviously they were like, yeah, let's make this real nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, Demon Slayer, Slayed Demons, um, nothing crazy. Did good, looked nice. Yep, that's all I got. Jujutsu Kaisen season two happened. I love season one and the Zero movie. Um, unfortunately for Jujutsu Kaisen season two, the, those poor animators, man, are just not being treated right. And it's it shows. And it's really sad the amount of anime fans that are kind of glossing over it or like, oh, boy, it still looks really cool in its own way. And it's like, yeah, but if MAPPA could just treat their workers like people and like actually make reasonable production schedules then we could have like a really really great show that being said i did love the flashback arc it was really cool uh shibuya arc is just as much pain as <laughs> all the manga readers said it would be right um and finally for our sequels we have attack on titan finally reaching its conclusion in the anime the manga has been done for a couple years they really freaking stretched out the releases <laughs> for the anime to really get all of our money <laughs> um but i liked it uh it was pretty great honestly i feel like it was a really good button to a really interesting story yeah if you are like me and you hadn't really given like i kind of dropped off of it after season two for a while because i was like okay it's kind of overrated whatever but honestly honestly pretty good pretty freaking good show overall that's all the sequels okay now we're getting into just kind of a little like shoujo section for starters i think sugar apple fairy tale is probably the most complete out of anything that came out this year in that it had actually two cores one in winter i think and one in summer and so it's it's not like the full story but it is they picked a really good just like couple of chunks to adapt so that you can watch it all and feel like it's where it stops is still a really good, like, button to stop on. Um, would love to see them make more. It's really cute. It's really interesting. Super pretty. Such a pretty show. And, yeah. Uh, My Happy Marriage is a thing that was on Netflix that maybe not everybody watched because it was only on Netflix. And, uh, again, very pretty show. The main character, my heart really goes out to her and her whole family situation um, before she has an arranged marriage and then, like, she actually learns to value herself through her relationship, which is just, oh, oh, I live for that shit. And then next is Skip and Loafer, which is just an awkward girl and a golden retriever boy. And they're so cute. I feel like even if they end up just being, like, platonic for forever, I, it's still just, like, such 
an interesting dynamic and relationship that they have between each other and there's still so much more to learn about these characters i might end up like going and grabbing the manga or something because i'm like i just want to know what else happens then we have yuri is my job it's uh definitely gets a little soap opera-y sometimes but i do think it's a really interesting show with um woman loving woman relationships and those dynamics and things like that and also just like the whole like workplace do's and don'ts i guess that get misconstrued like it's just interesting it's really interesting because it's a theme cafe where they're putting on like fake little yuri skits but then sometimes they do actually end up getting crushes on each other but not crushes on the ones that they're flirting with at at work but they're flirting at work don't worry about it anyway Whole new meeting to flirting at work, basically. One of the last shoujo ones is Yamada at level 999. This was so cute and so good and so gamey. And it reminded me a lot of like picking up Final Fantasy XIV during the pandemic because I had nothing else going for me kind of thing. I really love a lot of the side characters in the show, too. They're so interesting, and they're so supportive of the main character. Like, she doesn't just get a love interest through this new hobby that she finds. She gets, like, a whole group of friends that she gets to connect with and support and be supported by, and it's great. One thing I wanted to chat about before going to the next section... I want to talk about Horimiya and specifically Horimiya piece that came out and how it's like basically however they adapted it. They said, okay, guys, we kind of skipped some chapters from the manga because at the time we were like, that's not really that important. But now we're realizing for where we're about to get in story, it's about to be important or like fans didn't like that we did that. So then we're going to make Horimiya piece. So then I was like, okay, cool. I've only seen the first few episodes of Horimiya. So I guess I should look up like the watch order so that I can just kind of like go all at once, right? I'm not like having to zip zap zoop around and like try to follow with my brain. Tell me why. <laughs> it's like so confusing to try to figure out how to watch Horimiya. I'm over here like, I hear so much about how cute the show is and how good it is. And in the first few episodes I've seen, it is very good. But like, should I just pick up the manga? What should I do? If you're into Horimiya, the manga or the show, should I try to just figure out the show order from Reddit or something and then watch that? Even if I'm bopping around a lot, should I just watch season one, season two, and then peace? Will that be okay? I feel like it won't based on what the list that I've seen before. Like, what should I do? Let me know. Okay, then let's get into some faves, especially some faves that like might be pretty obvious or you've probably heard of them if you have your finger on the pulse of anime this year. Oshinoko, obviously. Hi, hello. Did you know I like idols in idol anime? So obviously love this. Um, it's such a weird premise. It's a really weird premise of a grown man being reincarnated into the baby of the idol that he likes. Listen, there's no way to explain it and not have it be so weird. And the show itself makes fun of that fact, like, pretty consistently. Like, they're not like, this is such a serious show. It's a good balance of, like, comedy and drama and just, like, the bullshittery i guess of the entertainment industry and like how 
how quickly things can turn on you or how easily um, things can be going well and then go bad or be going bad and then go well. So, yeah, I loved Oshinoko. I really liked uh, Akane's whole deal. Like, the side characters are also interesting, too. I'm interested in seeing more from Ruby's perspective and more from, like, where Ruby's story goes. Because the show focuses so much on Aqua and then also on these side characters that I feel like we haven't delved as much into Ruby. So, obviously, this was super popular. I'm assuming it's going to get a second season eventually. Um, and I'm excited to see that when that happens. Uh, another one is Hell's Paradise. Um, this was kind of one that, like, I was way more excited for it the first few episodes. And then as it went on, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm still on this ride. Like, I'm still here. I think whether or not I like it is going to depend on where it goes from its stopping point. I do enjoy how creepy it is. I do enjoy how the antagonists sort of play with the concept of gender and sex so much. That's interesting to me. I don't know. I just don't know, like, what I should be hoping to even happen at this point. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Hell's Paradise. Very strong start. Very good animation for the most part. Um, very interesting premise. Trigun Stampede. Absolutely goaded. Absolutely amazing. Um maybe my anime of the year from a technical story you know if i was giving an award to a show it would be to try gun stampede this year it was just so well done so gorgeous great story um great characters obviously the fact that it's i i've only seen like random episodes and clips around of trigun before really to be honest uh it was maybe just a few years before my time when it was on tv and all of that so I can say that you can just like hop into Trigun Stampede and be like, yeah, I kind of know some of the characters and like still enjoy it and get it and be like, okay, cool. I'm excited to see what else they do with it, if anything. I don't know if anything's been said. And I know things like this probably take years to freaking plan and make. So who knows? Lastly, we have Zom 100, 100 things I want to do before I turn into a zombie. Uh, love it so much. It is so good i'm so devastated that it also ran into animation issues and i guess deadline issues and things like that and so much of it ended up being delayed i'm excited for whenever they eventually release the remaining episode slash episodes but yeah very fun lively show very cute basically a guy says hey, I hate my job, but I'm stuck here. And then the zombie apocalypse happens. And then it's like, oh, guess what? If there's a zombie apocalypse, you don't have to worry about your job anymore. Wow, crazy. And then he decides to like do all the things he always wanted to do whenever he was stuck at his dead-end horrible job. So very fun. <laughs> Lots of uh, interesting um, Shout-outs to, I think, Madhouse in there too. I believe it was Madhouse in there. Um <laughs> But ironically, and then they didn't hit their deadline. So like, mm, what's what's the better or worse thing to do, I guess? It is very interesting to try to compare Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 versus Psalm 100 and see like what was, where were the right and wrong decisions made in that production process? Um, it's something I have to look into more, I think. Um, but it's a very colorful show, very interesting, fun characters, 
Yeah. Then we have two of my personal favorites, Undead Girl Murder Farce, which is about a half-demon guy who's just kind of street fighting and making money on the lamb and then is found by a world-renowned detective who happens to just be just a lady's head in a birdcage and her maid who carries her around. It's amazing. It's so good. It has a lot of different literary characters and historical figures sprinkled into the story in a way. Uh, if you get kind of touchy about the accuracy on that, then maybe this one's not for you because it, it does get kind of fucking wild. But it's just really interesting and cool. Also, the whole main cast is very hot, which <laughs> is great. Big plus, honestly. Um, and also just the um, way that the shots are set up and the use of visual metaphor in the show sometimes, too, is actually very striking to me. Mad props for visuals on this one. Um, also a banger opening, to be honest. So Undead Girl Murder Farce. I don't think I saw that many people talking about it. Definitely check it out if you like kind of supernatural mystery vibes on that one. Um, very Victorian, Sherlocky, but make it in Japan at first and then not in Japan anymore. Word. Okay. Lastly is a show that has shown aspects of theater that I haven't seen in any other shows. So I wanted to talk about it. It's called Stella of the Theater World Die Star. Um, it's on Crunchyroll. It's a show where there's a bunch of girls that want to be actors. And in this world, it's almost like how quirks developed in My Hero Academia. Different actors have developed these innate abilities that they have that improve their performance um, that are almost like supernatural abilities in a certain way. And yeah, there's a couple little twists in the beginning when we're trying to figure out like, okay, so then like, what's her deal exactly then? Like, what can she do? What's what's her weird little quirk thing? I forget what they're called. I'm going to call them quirks. <laughs> and that's very interesting and different to me. And it also actually has full, like a solid like five minutes of the performance whenever they go to do a stage play instead of just like, oh, here's little flashes of stills and we play the thing and then they'll plays over and it's like wow isn't that really cool um so it shows things like when someone says a line a little bit differently and the other actor is like wait what the fuck was that about now i have to change the way that i respond to that because you just changed the way you said it um things like that the thing that struck me so much is that it had the like set design black box made of foam board that I've had to make so much in college and I've never seen like that level of detail of like yes part of the design process in this industry is like you make the set design you make the costume designs you do all of that um and all of that's really incorporated into the show and it's really interesting is it like jaw-dropping unpredictable you know super engaging story maybe not for everyone but if you like um, performance art, if you're interested in that, it's definitely a good watch. Okay, there's three more I want to talk about really quick. Uh, they're currently unfinished. I guess Jujutsu Kaisen is as well, maybe. It might have one or two episodes left. Um, Apothecary Diaries, banger. Love a girl who's horny for poison. So cool. Uh, Shangri-La Frontier, um, strong start, kind of losing me. Might, might pick me back up by the end. It's a guy who doesn't 
really play popular games. He only likes playing shitty games so that he can prove that he can beat them. And then he picks up like the most popular MMO and he's god tier at it because he has so many innate skills from playing shitty games for so long. So good. And then finally, Free Ren, which I'm sure everybody has heard about at this point. It's insane. The people working on it are so well known. And the story is really interesting and cute and really sad because it's basically about an elf who traveled with a party and um she lives for a really really long time and they really really do not um just because they're human and she's an elf and it's sad um it's great uh and those are everything from this year if there's anything that you would like to know more of my opinion about or you would like me to clarify about what i mean because i went through these all so so fast uh, feel free to reach out to Third Impact Anime at our website, um, which will be at the beginning or ending of this podcast somewhere. Um, or hit me up on Twitter. That's unique or maybe X now known, formerly known as Twitter. Sure. That's unique X harmony at not twitter.com. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out a different social media pretty soon, aren't I? Okay. Anyway. Have a good one. Happy 2024, everybody. Best of 2023, huh? Hmm, well, this was kind of a weird year for me. I didn't really watch a whole lot of anime, it feels like. You know, I feel like I, I watched a lot of seasonally things last year. Uh, kept up pretty well, but you know, whether it was just having other things to do or a matter of not really being interested in a lot of seasonally stuff in 2023, I didn't really keep up with anything. Um, I know there's a few shows like Free Run that I know Austin's going to talk about here in this segment that, you know, I'm sure are great. I just haven't really caught up with them yet to really feel confident enough to put them in this list. But the, the things that I did sort of enjoy anime-wise in this year, we pretty much reviewed on the podcast at some point. Uh, this was the year that I sat down and watched all of the 97 Berserk series, finally, something that's been sort of on my backlog since I've been an anime fan, really. Uh, we did a nice, like, three-hour podcast with Will on that. Uh, please go listen to that. Really great. Uh, I also got to watch uh, Suzume in theaters. And, you know, I know a lot of people are down on Makoto Shinkai in general, but I, I really enjoyed Suzume, honestly. It wasn't my favorite anime movie of all time, but for this year, it certainly did stand out for me, even even now. As far as other anime-related news, uh, this was also the year that I sort of went back to conventions. Earlier, I, we were at Animazement in May, and then Anime Weekend Atlanta just in October, a few months back. Of course, I had taken, you know, I extended break because of COVID, and while these are not my first cons coming back at all, these certainly felt like the year of the comeback in general. Uh, at Animazement, I presented a number of new panels, some alongside Bill. Uh, new new panels, I should say. And, you know, I think it worked out really well. It was really nice to be back in the panel seat behind the microphone. 
It was great to be back at that amazement, a convention that's treated us really well year after year. Uh, I just had a lot of fun to the point where I felt like I should point that out. Um, that was certainly one of my favorite moments of this year, getting back to Animazement and even the Anime Week in Atlanta, even though I didn't present there this year. As you would know, since you just listened to the episode we released just a few weeks back about the show, it was still nice to be back for the final year in the Renaissance Waverly and to reminisce a little and sort of give it a, a personal send-off to that convention that I've been going to since 2004. Alright, just kind of skimming through my letterbox here to see what movies, non-anime movies, I watched this year. A few quick ones. I went back and caught The Menu from last year. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I watched this year's Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, I didn't think that was going to be good at all, but it was a nice fan service romp for the 14-year-old that played D&D, that sort of really enjoyed Forgotten Realms and Drift novels back in the day. It was nice to see these locations, these characters, these spells and monsters and whatnot uh, revisited on the big screen. It was just, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a great movie, but it was certainly a movie that I needed to a degree. Uh, I also went back and watched uh, 2004's The Taste of Tea, uh, which I found a copy of at our local used media store, McKay's. Uh, this is a live-action Japanese movie. This is a very surreal story about this really weird family and Hideaki Anno has a bit part in it for some odd reason. It's uh, probably a little difficult to track down, but if you really you sort of resonate with my taste for the the weird, the trippy, the surreal, I would highly recommend watching The Taste of Tea. Uh, we also saw Shin Kamen Rider come out in theaters here in America earlier this year and while I still think that Shin Godzilla was my favorite of the Shin trilogy, uh, Shin Kamen Rider comes in at a close second. It was, it still felt like a very Anno-esque send-up to those classic tokusatsu works. And, you know, I think it just worked out really well. Myself not really having a lot of experience with Kamen Rider, just, you know, broadly, I was able to come into this and sort of enjoy both that original mythos, that original canon, while also appreciating what Anno has has given here. I'm uh, I'm a little sad that he doesn't seem to be working on the newer Godzilla films and whatnot, but I'm still looking forward to whatever else he gives us in the future. Uh, Most recently, I also watched uh, The Banshees of Inishiran, which I want to say was two or three years old at this point, something that had been on my backlog since it came out, and finally got around to that on a, a random random Saturday night and really enjoyed it actually it was kind of a film about growing up and I guess feeling trapped in your adulthood to a degree and feeling trapped in the life that you made and trying to fight back against that and whether or not that's even worth doing once you reach a certain point you know is it really worth fighting against the hand you've been dealt in life or should you just deal with it and as someone that's a few years away from 40 and has sort of gone through a quarter-life crisis and might be coming up on a midlife crisis soon, uh, I think that movie really resonated with me in a way that I wasn't expecting going in. All right, well, I haven't watched a lot of anime, but I did play a couple of video games this year. As many of you know, 2023 was a great year for video games in general. And while I didn't really (laughs) keep up with a lot of those releases, honestly, I played the majority of them. Uh, I really liked Tears of the Kingdom, even though I'm still sort of chugging through that. Not really made a whole lot of progress on that. Likewise, Final Fantasy 16, I've been enjoying, but only about halfway through that game as well. Uh, I think 
the the major strength for 16 is the soundtrack honestly kind of you know iffy on the gameplay overall but the soundtrack for 16 is absolutely amazing shockingly i think one of my games of the year has been as a bit of a surprise was a metroid prime remaster that came out back in february it kind of blew me away for them to shadow drop that uh, after a nintendo direct uh, I really liked Metroid Prime back when it came out. I played that back on the GameCube. And, you know, every few years I go back and tell myself I'm going to play Metroid Prime, but just never get around to it. So with the, the remaster here, with the new control scheme, it just came out at a perfect time for me to actually revisit Metroid Prime for the first time in about 10 years. And I really, really liked my time with that. Uh, I've actually kind of been thinking about playing it again <laughs> in the same year. Uh, speaking of Switch games, I've also really enjoyed uh, Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line, what is the perhaps final entry in the Theater Rhythm series, the the major send-off. Uh, that is, of course, the rhythm game based on the Final Fantasy soundtracks from all the games, and just the sheer amount of content in that, all the DLC they've added, it was a no-brainer for me to buy the the huge DLC pack before the game even came out. And they just released the FF16 tracks, I want to say, maybe a month or so ago. So it has been uh, a well that I've come back to several times since it was released and really, really liked playing Theater of Them and going through all these soundtracks of great music. Speaking of portable systems, uh, late last year, I purchased a Steam Deck, and I really got a lot of use out of that this year. I would highly, highly recommend getting a Steam Deck if you think you're on the fence of it at all. I've been considering buying a portable you know, computer for a few years now. There's a couple that are in the Chinese market, but with Valve creating one, those are a little bit cheaper, and you know, officially supported by them. This was, uh, you know, again, a no-brainer choice for me. I've just been able to play a variety of games, been very easy to take with me on trips to conventions and whatnot. Uh, I don't have to carry around a laptop and try to set up a laptop to play a game when I can just break out a Steam Deck. It's been great to just break out old emulators and old games. I've got sort of everything set up now. That's that's my main emulation station, uh, if you will. And it's been just really easy to play whatever I want, uh, whether it's through my Steam library, my you know Epic Games Store library full of free games that I've gotten over the past few years. Just everything I could possibly want to play, it's there, portable. And it's just so convenient to do. Uh, I, I've been considering getting an, an OLED, but because I've only owned this one for about a year, I figure I should wait another year or two and just wait for a Steam Deck 2 at this point. But again, if that's sort of something you've been looking at the corner of your eye, I would highly, highly recommend uh, going and getting one. They are absolutely worth it. And uh, one of the games that I've been playing uh, on my deck that has actually worked out really well has been Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, okay, you you weren't going to get away from a Tobias segment without me talking about Final Fantasy XIV, so let's just get into it. Uh, so I've been playing this game since right before the pandemic. I finally this year got caught up and beat Shadowbringers and Inwalker, and they have been absolutely amazing experiences. You know, I've been saying that for the past few years, but even then I was not prepared for how emotionally devastating uh, the finale, those two final expansions to the game have been just oh man it really just solidified my love for this game and you know beating in walker i did that right maybe a few weeks before going to fan fest which is another thing i got to do i was very lucky you know after the past few years of dreaming of being able to go to this thing and just enjoying hanging out with other 
fans of this game and seeing the primals, I was actually able to live my dream and get tickets to go to the North American Fan Fest in Las Vegas uh, alongside a friend's Basil and Anna with the awesome cast and the Carbuncle Chronicle. It was everything I hoped it could be, uh, including getting COVID. <laughs> I, I kind of figured that would happen, uh, flying to Las Vegas and back. Uh, didn't really hope for it, of course, but it happened. Uh, you know, what, what can you do? But whatever. It, it worked out in the end, for better or for worse. But man, FanFest is just an amazing experience. Uh, I've talked about that on the Carbuncle Chronicle with them. So if you want to hear a lot more of my thoughts about FanFest, go listen to that. But going forward, even after FanFest, you know, I've kind of taken a little bit of a break on the game, but it, it's hard to really step away completely because now that I'm caught up, I can participate with, you know, the, the group. I've been participating in regular map nights with my FC in the game. It's just a way for us to hang out and do some very easy, no brain content and just, just kind of chill and, and feel like I'm caught up and feel like I'm part of the community. Uh, on the weekends, I hang out with people in the Blood God Discord, and we've just kind of taken the opportunity to have a, a social social hour on Saturday nights where we find some content, whether it's variant dungeons or the deep dungeons or just whatever random extremes or trials we haven't really done. It's just been a great way to not only clear some things and check some things off the list, but really just have a social time with, with other people. It's taken that aspect of FanFest, that sort of social community, and really made it personal. And I really like the friends that I've made there uh, in the past few months hanging on the Blood God Discord. And yeah, man, I, like, I still love this game a lot. I still am enjoying doing it. I'm still really looking forward to Dawn Trail and everything they promised us to come in about six months from now. I, I still, even though I'm caught up, even though I should be spending time doing, you know, playing other games, watching other anime, I just can't really break away from enjoying FF14. It's just been truly a life-changing experience for me. But it feels like I've talked a little bit too long, so I'll go ahead and cut it over to the next person. Hello everyone, it's that time of year again where I get to talk about some of my favorite things of the year. Uh, we'll see if anything that I've talked about matches with anybody else's. I think there's might be at least one thing on here. So, this movie was very recent, but it was so good that I just have to talk about it. And that's Godzilla Minus One. I hope if you've listened to this, you're checking it out hopefully in the future on some service or on VOD or you get the physical release but Godzilla Minus One was fantastic. I was going in completely blind not expecting a period war story and I love the mixture of it's the story about a kamikaze pilot during World War II that failed to achieve his objective and he f 
feels himself as a coward and not achieving the honor of his assignment. And in the midst of this, he kind of finds this family and this push and pull of wanting to have this family, but feeling that he has not done enough or been honorable enough to have this family. And on top of that, you have Godzilla running amok with fantastic effects. I can't believe that they did what they did for only a reportedly a $15 million budget where most Marvel movies are in the 200 to $300 million range. And Godzilla looked fantastic. Godzilla rampaging through the city or the entire climax at the end is just chef's kiss in terms of special effects. Now, I don't want to spoil the movie. I would really like you, dear listener, to check this out when you can. The ending is a fantastic climax and is really satisfying and I think it gets to what the original Godzilla was, was a human story, like kind of similar to Frankenstein where everyone thinks it's about the monster. No, it's about the inventor and it's about the people, the people and what they're going through through this major event and how they handle it and their own personal feelings. And I think Godzilla really execute this executes this very well on top of having amazing special effects. Another movie I love that didn't come out this year, it came out a few years ago, but I saw it for the first time and I loved it, was Pearl. A fantastic slasher movie slash melodrama slash musical this is the second movie in Ty West's and Mia Goth's X trilogy. So before I had seen X, which I thought was a good 70s slasher pastiche, kind of similar to Halloween or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, especially the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I'm more connected with Pearl because I just loved the mashing of genres of I'm going to do a slash movie, but I'm also going to do a golden age of Hollywood period melodrama with Mia Goth's character having these grand ambitions of becoming a star and her being stuck in this small farm with her mother and not f- and feeling like she's stuck where she is, and her having these sort of uh, dark thoughts in the back of her mind. And I I loved Mia Goth's speech at the end because it's a great examination of oneself and of her character and her standing and just the brutal honesty that she has on top of it. And there's a lot of fun things in this movie too. Like there's a full-on musical sequence that I did not expect at all and it's a lot of fun and it's this movie got me really excited for their uh, next collaboration together Maxine which is the third movie in the X trilogy so I will definitely going to I'm definitely going to go see that in the theaters when that comes to pass it's they shot Pearl and X back to back so there's been a little little bit of a delay for Maxine to come out but it's reportedly coming out next year, so I'm excited for that with how much I loved Pearl 
I think it's one of my favorite horror movies. Probably in my in my top five, I'd have to say. Just because of how amazing Mia Goth's performance is. And the sort of mashing of genres, which I mentioned before. And my final movie I'd like to talk about is Lady Vengeance. Now this... <laughs> If you don't know what Lady Vengeance is, it's part of Park Chan-wook's Vengeance Trilogy. It is the third movie in the trilogy where they are loosely connected movies based on Vengeance. The more famous of the trilogy being Old Boy, which I still have sadly not seen. But I have heard about Park Chan-wook and how his movies are and just he's got a bit of a following so i decided to check it out and i will say lady vengeance is not for the faint of heart it is a pretty heavy and dark movie it's about a a woman that by uh kind of it kind of reminded me of a bit of the count of monte cristo in the way the story plays out that where she's framed has to go to jail for a while loses her only daughter and the whole movie is about her getting out of prison and her trying to get her vengeance against the person that put her into this predicament. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the ending is pretty visceral. <laughs> so I, I give fair warning that this movie is not for the faint of heart because he does not uh, faint away from violence where he doesn't play it like a fantasy like some movies do. I think he plays it very realistically and the with how realistic he plays it, it has a more brutal more feeling of just you're just there seeing it. It's still an excellent movie. But I think what made me love the movie the most was the soundtrack. It's funny. I've listened to the soundtrack over and over again this year because I'm a sucker for orchestra, violin, and cello, and this is heavily featured throughout the the soundtrack. So I've played certain songs over and over again just because of the melodic tone to the music, and it's a, and to me it's just it's a hypnotic hook. It was kind of funny that this was like number two and number three on my Spotify top songs list. But again, I, I do have weird tastes, so I I shouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> but yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. You can find Lady Vengeance as of this recording on a lot of kind of free-to-add services like Tubi. So I would check check it out there. And so getting away from movies, I need to talk about kind of a... Uh, follow-up from my last favorite things of the year pod where I was really into Goodreads and cataloging and books is I finally, much to Austin's uh, happiness, got a library card and that got me access to the library service Hoopla, which has been an excellent service for me. I've been using it for the past three months and I, I feel like I'm getting a lot of use out of it. So what is Hoopla? Hoopla is a digital lending app that is basically tied to your local library. 
where you can uh, borrow audiobooks, you can borrow comics, you can borrow ebooks, and what the like. And so I've been able to find a lot of books that I've wanted to read uh, and listen to via Hoopla, and it's been just a joy of just, oh, I don't have to pay for Audible, or I don't have to uh, get a, another Kindle ebook. I can just borrow it from Hoopla for about a month and get through it and enjoy my time with it. So use your library, kids. You don't know what you're missing. I've But it's funny because going through my Hoopla account, I've been kind of on a cycle of kind of pop culture books, either ex- exploring movies or music or a celebrity memoir. I, I've broken out of that occasionally with a kind of a murder mystery book or a Grady Hendrix book. I've been getting through his catalog a lot initially on Audible and now on Hoopla. Uh, maybe one of my goals for next year is, is to try and diversify my reading so that way I don't just stick to the same genre of books every time. It's been quite a, quite a fun experience and kind of blossomed my love of audiobooks. I've talked to Tori about this and a couple other people in our Discord. They've kind of gotten accustomed to reading on a faster speed, like either 1.5 or 1.2. I, I, for some reason, I'm more comfortable on the natural speed. I've only had to speed up at maybe two books that I thought the reader was going too slow, but everything else has been a natural progression for me, but I guess each his own. Enough of my rambling. If you have a library card and if your library offers it, Sign up for Hoopla, because you get a lot out of it. They also have movies on there. There's also Canopy, which is the movie streaming service that are offered by libraries. I've I've got a lot of use out of it, and it's saved me a good bit of money. So I'm quite happy with Hoopla, and I'm, I tend to use it a lot this into the next year. So normally I don't talk about anime on here, because... We talk about anime all the time, but there's been a few animes that hasn't been mentioned on the pod that I would like to highlight that I really enjoyed. So I finally watched the Crusher Joe movie and OVAs uh, this year, and boy, I was missing out. The Crusher Joe movie and OVAs are gorgeous to look at. They're really fun sci-fi pulp adventures kind of in the vein of a Flash Gordon in in my estimation. It's about these group of mercenaries or crushers as they're called in universe where they're basically on different assignments trying to get money and some wacky things ensued and you get some gorgeous 1980s animation. I, I doubt we'll ever see this type of animation again just because of the cost and time. Uh, these are gorgeous, and while we didn't get a lot of Crusher Joe, I think what we got is just a treat to the for my eyes, and uh, just a, a blast to have. Like if you love Cowboy Bebop, or Space Adventure Cobra the movie, or the Space Adventure Cobra TV show, I highly recommend Crusher Joe. 
I think you would just have a blast with it. And so now we're going to go into Shoujo Corner, which is very fitting since I had Colleen from Colleen's Manga Rex, where they and I talked about Shoujo and kind of its importance and its place in the, in the manga anime space. And so for this year, I've explored more Shoujo titles, both a little newer and older. A bit newer, well, relatively new is uh, I, I watched the Snow White with the Red Hair anime with Austin, and we really enjoyed our time with it, where it kind of is a twist, kind of adjacent of the Snow White fairy tale, but I think it's very loose interpretation, where it's about this girl with the red hair, and she is very feisty and very independent, and her kind of going against the the kind of the royalty or imperial class of this world and her just kind of brushing up against it and her potentially uh falling in love with one of them prince zen and uh just her kind of going through uh, her journey because at first she's just a a quiet girl in her local village and then she gets dragged into bigger and bigger conflicts as the series progresses. So just her feistiness and her uh, confidence about things and her growth I found very fun. And the cast of characters in Snow White with the red hair is a lot of was uh, very compelling and a lot of fun. And finally, I watched... Aim for the Ace, which is a classic 70s shoujo manga and anime, which I really enjoyed. And it's it's funny watching these sports anime. It, I've come to learn that Aim for the Ace did not teach me anything about tennis. It was more of a soap opera, high school drama, but I, I didn't care because I just was enthralled with the drama and whether our main heroine... Hiromi Oka was able to find her place on the team and her having to deal with uh, the best player on the team, a.k.a. Madam Butterfly, and their dynamic and their place on the team and their coach being super stoic and not wanting to give any sort of sign of affection or support. It's it's funny because also this year I, I rewatched Gunbuster and now I see how much Gynex took from Aim for the Ace and put it into Gunbuster in terms of the character dynamics and how those three central characters of Hiromi and Madam Butterfly and the coach and how they basically were copied and pasted as the three main leads from Aim for the Ace. Funny enough. But I definitely want to watch the further adventures of Aim for the Ace with the OVA and the movie and if they do the sequel TV series. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and I hope to continue to watch more shoujo works in coming year of 2024. I, I've been on a classic kick for a while where I, I did Aim for the Ace and Glass Mask. I still have two other classics that are on my shelf needing to be finished, Rose of Versailles and Dear Brother, so hopefully... I will finish those up 
and uh, maybe try and broaden my horizons with more modern Sojo works. And with that, I wish you, dear listener, a wonderful holiday season. Hopefully you get whatever manga or anime you want, and I hope you are enjoying yourself and just enjoying the holiday. All right. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays. And that brings us to the end of our 2023 roundup. I hope that it validated your opinion that the Third Impact Anime Podcast is full of cool trendsetters with the correct taste, and that you just can't wait to hear what we talk about in the following 12 months. If you'd like to express this opinion, or if you'd like to ask our host about the topics they chose for this episode, head on over to our Discord server, which, in spite of everything, remains active. If you think we deserve a little more material positive reinforcement, head on over to our Patreon page where you can kick us a few bucks and support our little show and help us keep the lights on. If you haven't already, check us out on your favorite social media platforms. We update regularly on Blue Sky and Instagram, and all of our episodes make their way to YouTube as well. There's also been talk recently of setting up a TikTok account for Third Impact Anime, so if that's something you'd be interested in seeing or any particular content you would like to see on such a page, uh, head on over to our Discord and let us know. But, as always, I want to thank each of you for listening to our podcast over the years. It really means a lot to us that you've stuck with us for so long. And looking forward to the future, I hope that you all have a very happy new year. Dancing, dancing,